electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Today on Squawk Pod, Sam Bankman-Fried pleading not guilty to counts of money laundering, securities fraud, and plenty of others. Former SEC Chair Jay Clayton with the legal take. This is a, a scheme that, if it's proven to be true, is much bigger than what Madoff did. It, it's, it seems to be of that caliber, right? And Madoff was going to spend the rest of his life in jail. And speaking of Bernie Madoff, true crime director Joe Berlinger is out with his latest series for Netflix. I've done a whole bunch of uh, serial killer shows over the last couple of years, and I consider Bernie a financial serial killer because he shares a lot of those qualities, a complete lack of empathy. And Berlinger sees parallels between the swindler of the 90s and the fallen crypto king of today. Fraud keeps happening in this country every five to eight years, and the roots of fraud are the same. Plus justice for Southwest passengers and the House vote we can't take our eyes off of. Kevin McCarthy's battle for speaker. Yeah, I'm going to watch the day, go between different cable channels just to, just to laugh. It's Wednesday, January 4th, 2023, and Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one, cue it, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. And this morning... We can't give the end we have to be stronger. Yeah, 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 no persons having received a majority of the whole number of votes cast by surname. A speaker has not been elected. The total number of votes cast is 434. No person having received the majority of the whole number of votes cast by surname, a speaker has not been elected. The Honorable Kevin McCarthy of the state of California has received 202. No person having received the majority of the whole number of votes cast by surname, a speaker has not been elected. The House stands adjourned until noon tomorrow. The U.S. House of Representatives adjourning yesterday without a speaker. This after Representative Kevin McCarthy failing in three consecutive votes to secure enough support to be elected. It was the first time in 100 years that the majority party has not elected a speaker on the first vote. Here's McCarthy after the third vote failed. Members are talking. We're uh, walking through. I think we'll find our way to get there. And uh, this is a healthy debate. It might not happen on the day we want it, but it's going to happen. Are there any circumstances under which you would consider pulling out of no. the race for speaker? There is no. not one. There's not one. The House set to reconvene at noon. That's going to happen today, but uh, can't move forward without any legislation until the Speaker is selected. Now, an interesting note uh, worth uh, mentioning from the Senate side. Senate 
Uh, Senator Patty Murray was sworn in as Senate president uh, pro tempora. How, how, do I, how, do I, how do I say that pro word? Tempora. Pro tempora, making her the first woman to she's hold not, that position. She's not a, a food. Yeah, uh, temporary, the, probably. <laughs> the, the, uh, Senate, uh, the, the Senate pro tem is third in line for the presidency after the vice president and speaker of the House. But with no speaker, Senator Murray temporarily becomes second in line. You guys watched? I was, I was watching. I watched little pieces of it. Jim I saw Jordan it. gave a great speech in support of, of, uh, of McCarthy. And it was so good that, that they decided he should be speaker. Like Matt Gates then came out and said he was just so nasty about McCarthy. Matt Gates, you know, um, you saw what he, the position he heal thyself. You, yeah, you saw um, the letter he wrote to try and get him kicked out of the speaker's office. Right. He wrote complaining, saying, what, "Under what right does he have to take the speaker's office?" Right, and that he sold shares of himself uh, over the past 16 years to lobbyists, and just it was a. I'll tell you well, what. But then they were also negotiating to try to get their own slots. There's one guy who says thing. who's insisting that that term limits uh, are, are right. put uh, and, and brilliance uh, and <laughs> that I that I, can I get know. Behind. But insisting one guy and also insisting that we like balance the budget by next year. So, I, mean, I mean, they've got their own little. You know, they're they're all able to get on the soapbox and, and for a day. And then all of the back and forth with AOC. Did you see that? I saw her with with Gomer. The, right. the, and people and are saying, Gates. yeah, and, and, and Marjorie Taylor Greene is mad right. about this. And she's like, but apparently Kevin McCarthy was telling them that tell, telling them that he's going to get the de some of the Democrats to leave the room so that they so could, that the lower they, they could bring down the vote. And then they were going to AOC to ask her if that was really true. And then she was saying that's, that's not true. Right. That's yeah. what she was it saying. Was that's pretty, not true. The whole dynamic w was pretty funny because I was I didn't know where to watch it because, you know, some. Uh, Cable networks would, would show each one. Others would break away and blah, blah, you know, give their own opinions. So I found myself on CNN for a while. CNN was, was enjoying it so much. I mean, they were over the top. Just enjoyment. Just this is the, I just loved, they just loved it. Then I tried to watch Fox for a while. Guess who else loved it? Fox loved it. Fox loves it because they're a bunch of, you know, they, they're, they're sort of MAGA and they're, they're I'm not going to say QAnon, but Fox loves it because they hate McCarthy because he's too much of a rhino. And, the, and CNN uh, loved it because it's chaos in, in the uh, Republican Party. That's like, wow. They're both, they both love what's going on from you know different so, sides. So it's hilarious. It's just learning it's the, the rules, like the Byzantine rules of yeah. how the, the Congress works. Uh, uh, just things that we never realized, that it, you don't even have to be an elected member of Congress no. to be the speaker. could be they Lee Zeldin. Up there. People could, mentioning Lee Zeldin. Fred Upton. It could be Donald yeah. Trump, people suggested. It could be the great parliamentarian. Idea. From the Senate, but then you would have the third in line for the presidency as somebody who's not even an elected official. I saw, I, I saw something yesterday that you would have liked, and, and it was from. I liked it. I almost retweeted. I said, "I'm not going to," because it's from someone from the far left. Um, what's the guy's name? That the liar, the guy that did, did, should not oh, be the there. Congressman from yeah, Long Island. Said, he's an obvious choice. World War II <laughs> combat veteran, Nobel <laughs> laureate, and uh, he had like three or four other things. This guy is perfect. For Speaker of the House, given the things that he for, landed on the moon at one point, apparently, I guess on one of those missions. What you're just not? I'm just not. What am I supposed to say? <laughs> I don't know. Say something. It's it was a funny tweet. I almost retweeted it. Then I thought people are so crazy. You didn't want to retweet it, so you just talk about it on international television. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hilarious. Here he comes. He's coming, guys. You get a haircut, Ellen. FTX founder uh, Sam Bankman-Fried arrived in court yesterday where he pled not guilty on eight charges related to the collapse of his crypto trading platform. I love that Nobel laureate. 
Um, the trial will begin October 2nd. A judge approved Bankman Freed's motion uh, to seal the names of two people who had guaranteed his release on bail uh, with a bond. And the judge agreed with defense attorneys that the visibility of the case posed a risk to Bankman Freed's parents and whoever these uh, guarantors are. Do you know who they are? I don't know who they are, but I will say that there's a bunch of media organizations, and I don't know where uh, NBC is in this. That and, and the judge effectively said that he was very open to it, uh, who I imagine are going to be asking for access to, 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 to the names. And he said that, that he imagined effectively that somebody was going to come forward and that that would unseal it. So I don't, it wasn't so much like I really want to protect these folks. It was, it was that I'll do this for now, but I'm sure somebody else is going to show up with another argument and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll reevaluate it then. So I'd be very impressed if, you did, if we did not know these names in short order. It was also funny watching on Twitter who they're speculating it could be. You know, oh, uh, yeah, but I, I don't think I won't throw any of those names out. I didn't think it, any of those. I, I mean, that was what was the best one? Crypto land. I'm not going to say it. It can say it on. Oh, so if it's on Twitter, but you're not going to say it on international TV. I'm the opposite. I say it on international, but I, I'm afraid to tweet it. OK. Southwest Airlines has begun awarding 25,000 frequent flyer travel points to travelers that were affected by its holiday meltdown. The airline said the bonus miles, which are worth around $300, are in addition to ticket refunds and reimbursements for expenses. The value of the points can vary based on trip distance and demand. They were accompanied by a letter from the CEO, Bob Jordan, who told customers that no amount of apologies can undo their experience. Southwest hasn't disclosed the number of passengers affected by nearly 16,000 flight cancellations over the holidays. The Department of, Tra of Transportation is weighing in on this. They're saying that they're going to be watching this very closely. And you can imagine that there could be fines that are levied against the company that are much higher than the $300 per passenger. I, thought, I was looking here, just so you know, because you were, you were saying uh, a, a... You can um, get a couple of highballs. You can you know, get a, a scotch and soda. flight. Um, Somewhere between, for going coach, because they're basically our coach, between right. 7,500 miles and 57,000 miles. Right. We'll get you, and I, that's I, a round trip ticket. So it doesn't even trip. get you one way. Well, what are we to say the number was? 25,000. Sounds like it might get you. No, it's possible Maybe. actually it could get you a round trip ticket. 7,000. Oh, 7,000. I thought you said yeah. To 57,000 on the high, right. and that's depending on time, well, the time of the year, yield on the flight, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it, it is possible that you could get a round trip ticket out of Depending it. Depending on when and where you're going. Right. right. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you think that's going to do it, but it, it, depends. it really depends on whether all the point? other compensation Yeah, would you want to fly Southwest at this point, though? Like, like, thanks, uh, give I me might. airline miles on another to get, If you want to fly in the front of the plane, which is we all aspire to that someday, yeah. uh, you're not doing it for 25,000 miles. That's all. Well, you, you might get an upgrade. You're not you might get an upgrade. If you you might, they don't have a, they don't they have, have first that. That's what I mean. But, but in general, for the week and you still haven't gotten your luggage. I think about what presents in it. I, I think about what these miles are, are worth. And if, if you want, you know, not at Southwest, but anywhere. And I was just not impressed with twenty five thousand. Doesn't impress me. <laughs> it's just not going to help that. I really did think it was like, OK, can I have a you know, can I have a, a, an alcoholic beverage and maybe get two of them? But with what you say, maybe you can get. It, does, it doesn't work on NetJets. Just remember that. <laughs> exactly. Shares of Apple uh, falling more than 3% during yesterday's session, giving the company a market cap below $2 trillion. That's for the very first time since May. Comes one year after. But remember, just in May, we were like, oh, my God, look how high it is. 
Um, this comes after the company's market value briefly topped $3 trillion uh, on an intraday basis. Fascinating article, by the way, in the information about their efforts at what might be described as the metaverse with a new goggle system that is outrageous if real, um, both VR and AR. And as you know, as you know, I'm here for it. But so. outra- outrageous how? No, I mean, just it's really it. Look, if 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 it's as described in the article, it's pretty crazy and amazing and would be remarkable. It will cost a small fortune. And, you, of course, it's not some the s- network effects. Everybody's going to have to get one. It's not some sick, uh, perverted use of this, is it, Andrew? That would be far be it from you to to to, to like something like that. But that it, what? I mean, how much better than reality can it get? It's so still not you're still not in Rome. You no. think you're walking around. You're not. You're not. You got goggles on and you look ridiculous. When you see what they're doing, you're going to be very, very impressed. That's what I think. Okay, but you're not nothing weird. Nothing. I don't know anything about weird. I just read an article. You don't know anything about that says a lot that you probably don't know anything about weird. Oh, no. (laughs) Up next on Squawk Pod, Sam Bankman-Fried's not guilty plea. How will legal proceedings satisfy everyone's need for answers? Former SEC Chairman Jay Clayton sits down with the team. Is it politically palatable for the government to ever even consider some kind of settlement arrangement with a plea? How much of the information that the public wants to know has already come out or comes out as part of any plea process as opposed to a trial process? All that and much more right after this. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod. Stand Andrew by in three, two, one, cue Andrew. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. Sam Bankman-Fried pleading not guilty in New York federal court on Tuesday. The ousted FTX CEO facing charges of conspiracy, securities fraud, wire fraud and money laundering. The judge proposed a trial uh, start date for October 2nd. Joining us right now is former SEC chairman Jay Clayton. He's a CNBC contributor, non-executive chair of Apollo, also a board member of American Express uh, and a senior policy advisor, Sullivan and Cromwell. We should say Sullivan and Cromwell uh, represents FTX in the bankruptcy, in the bankruptcy. But you're not involved in that. Um, I'm curious what you I mean, prosecutors have moved very fast on this. And I know that that's a big issue about how fast did they move? I mean, but on a relative basis, I think they have move pretty fast. The question is, how fast do you think this whole thing really happens? Well, I, th- I, th- I think you make a point 
that is that is missed here. And Damian Williams and his team have done a remarkable job. Your, your interview with SPF was what a month ago, just after Thanksgiving. Yep. In the Bahamas, where is this all going? Now you have, you've gotten the extradition issue off the table. You have cooperating witnesses. You have a trial date. You have an what what looks from the outside as a pretty orderly administrative administrative process, administration of justice here on this. So, so look, look how far the DOJ has come right. in a month. Pretty good, right? So here's my question to you, though. This will play out, and there's, there's two options on the table. And I, I wonder actually even whether there'll be two options. There may only be one option, which is there may be a trial, and that'll be the only option for a Sam Bankman-Fried. At some point, if you're a Sam Bankman-Fried, depending on what the evidence is against you, Will there be an option, and would the government ever, is it politically palatable for the government to ever even consider some kind of uh, settlement arrangement with a plea? Well, Meaning, at what point do you say to yourself, this is, um, I think it probably depends on the strength of the evidence on one side, but also there's going to be the timing, the cost, and all of those other things in terms of what kind of sentence you think may or may not come from this. And, and other things, which is how much of the information that, as you're alluding to in your description, how much of the information that the public wants to know has already come out or comes out as part of any plea process as opposed to a trial process. If, if all of the information that we as the public want to know about what happened here is on the table, then the question of whether you need to go through a trial and need to go through the expense you know, is, is diminished, right? Because we, we as the public who want to find out what happened, want to deter it in the future, know what's well, going on. Well, but from on. a deterrent perspective, you'd think that you'd want to go through a, a full trial unless you thought you well, didn't have the evidence, it, right? it depends. It depends on the deterrent right. effect of the sentence. Yeah. Whatever, whatever the sentence is, what, is going to be have, I think, the lasting deterrent But effect. at 30 years old, we, we, if I told you it was a, well, look, if I told you it was a life sentence, that would be a real deterrent. If I told you it was a 30-year sentence, would that be a deterrent? I don't, I mean, this is the... I, th I think, you know, look. And this a is assuming guilt, and, and maybe a, a that's unfair of, to a do. A sentence of that type of length, we certainly believe in this country, is a deterrent effect. I mean, for, for all sorts good, of heinous But what crimes. about 15 years? What, what, is it, what is a number that seems commensurate to the crime? And, and, and this is a, a scheme that, if it's proven to be true, is much bigger than what Madoff did. It, it's, it seems to be of that caliber, right? And Madoff was going to spend the rest of his life in jail. Yeah, he was much older, but, but again, like 15 years of it, it, In terms of getting money back, though, for the victims, both of the customers and what might be described as the creditors, and I know there's a question of who the customers are and who the creditors are and whether they're really the same thing or, or not, how much of that is a function of the bankruptcy court? And how much of that is actually going to be a function of uh, the Southern District, the Department of Justice, looking back at some of the transactions and other things, uh, deciding or trying to determine whether they were criminal or not. Obviously, if they're criminal, it helps in the bankruptcy proceeding to be able to then claw back that money, right? It, it changes the dynamic. Uh, the DOJ announcing yesterday, or the Southern District announcing yesterday, that they're forming what's called the, the FTX uh, Task Force, and, and whether that turns into something that's looking at adjacent uh, relationships of, of other elements of crypto? I mean, how does that all play out? Well, you point out something that, that is, it's a good thing that we have such experienced people on this. You know, Damian Williams, um, remember the Chris Collins case, Congressman? Mm -hmm. you know, that was his case, okay? Understanding 
the interplay between what will happen uh, with the DOJ, what will happen with the SEC, the CFTC, and the bankruptcy, and trying to optimize for a number of variables. Of course, you know, the administrative stream of justice, bringing, bringing you know, Mr. Bankman-Fried to justice, but all of those other elements, there will be communications back and forth to try and optimize both recoveries for the victims as well as, you know, justice in the case. And, and that's, you know, it's complicated, requires communication, it requires, and it requires experience. So it's, it's good that we have people who are experienced on the case here. We have a little time left. You, you want to talk about yesterday? We have a, we have a great system in this, in this country, but there are some things that happen occasionally. So <laughs> it's a narrow, you know, they got a narrow majority. So each guy, each guy, guys you never heard of. God, I've heard of them now. You know, some of these, some of these guys in the, in, in the Republican Party that you've never heard of. I mean, I've heard of Matt Gates for all the wrong reasons. But uh, other guys that you've never heard of now are very, very important. Is that, how's this going to work out? What were your comments on what happened yesterday? Well, I, I will tell you the observation I had, which is Nancy Pelosi looks terrific, right? She had a right. narrow majority. She, and she, she kept, got it done, didn't she? She kept, did you, did you see any of this? Well, and if you're, if you're in the White House and you have a speaker who can deliver a narrow majority like that, you're pretty happy. This, yeah. this does not look well, like that. Well, is that McCarthy's fault or because Boehner couldn't do it either? No, I, I, think, it's, I think it's endemic to um, what I would say is... That fringe, that, the fringe GOP? I don't think there's any other way to look at it. So what's the... Uh, well, I mean, I, I, what's the... Uh, Mulvaney was on yesterday, made a really good point, said, okay, what, what's the alternative to McCarthy? Well, they were making that point yesterday, but that, that fell on deaf ears with the... Judd Gregg said he thought it would be Scalise. Right. Right. Can I, after can four. I, to this point, though, which is why is the GOP... I mean, look, Democrats have uh, various wings of the they party. They always stick together, though. They always stick together. But they do stick... But why is... It, but, but I would also say it's very rare where anyone in the GOP is calling out typically the members of the most extreme parts of the party. Meaning most, uh, most, most Republicans are never Democrat, saying Margie uh, uh, well, Do you see the Democrats calling out Ilhan Omar or, or AOC or the squad or Adam Schiff or any well, of the, they don't either. Well, except for the fact that they're sticking together. If they weren't sticking together, I think they would. Look, the, the, the ability to have different voices in the party, um, I would say doesn't have as many ramifications when you have a, a broader majority as when you have a thin majority, right? That's, right? It's a great system, but there's times when like you have this. a very thin majority. Those those differing voices, they get. You know, you available? Because you don't have to be in the house. Uh, don't think so. Don't think so. Jay, what hey. would you do at this point? I mean, the, the concessions that they've asked for are incredibly extreme. Wanting committee positions, chairmanship positions on some of these things. It, 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 one guy challenged the. The, the one, one guy, if one guy's they're mad, for McCarthy. Yeah. yeah, they're holding up for ransom. And, and look, in a, transactions are, are my milieu. Um, when, you have, when you have somebody holding up, but they don't have an alternative, I think you just have to stay the course. Do you think McCarthy will eventually be named speaker, or is it going to be somebody else? I, you know, I, let's put it this way. I think somebody, somebody who is of leadership, it, if I had to bet, you would bet on McCarthy, but it would be somebody of leadership. It's not going to be somebody from the outside. No. 
You're done? Yeah, I'm going to watch the day. Uh, watch yeah. today. I'm going to go as I go, go between different the different uh, cable channels just to, just to laugh. You're, you're, having, the, you're having a good time with this. Well, watching it, it's just classic <laughs> watching the objective cable channels cover this, you know, from, from both sides. They did agree. They did agree. They, 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 they both hate McCarthy. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the left loves the chaos. Uh, yeah, CNN, just, uh, they were giddy. Oh, my God, John Kigg. I th I've never seen him. So, so excited and giddy. Pretty funny. Throwing stones in glass houses. Jay Clayton, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Appreciate it. Good to see you. Cheese will be next. Still to come on Squawk Pod. It was all fake. The money went poof. Gone. You're going to put billions into something. You check everything. Even if God sends you a resume, check the references. Netflix's new crime docuseries, Madoff, The Monster of Wall Street, is out today. We're talking to the series director, Joe Berlinger. There are just things that real investors, sophisticated, sophisticated investors should have known. The regulatory failure here is massive. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. Calling all true crime lovers, Netflix has a new docuseries streaming today called Madoff, The Monster of Wall Street. It's a four-part documentary centering Bernie Madoff, who curated the largest Ponzi scheme in history, worth $6.4 billion. Featured in the documentary is exclusive, never-before-seen footage from Bernie Madoff's deposition in 2016. I admitted to doing enough things that were totally embarrassing and wrong that I regret, but this was my own doing. No one had a gun to my head. You had to understand, unless you knew me and you knew my relationship with these people, my four big clients, being the, the greedy people that they were, never wanted to close out the transaction. Andrew spoke with the series director, Joe Berlinger, who is a true crime powerhouse for Netflix. He directed shows like Conversations with a Killer, profiling Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy, and Jeffrey Dahmer, and Crime Scene, which detailed the Cecil Hotel and the Times Square Killer. Here's Andrew. So much to talk to you about the film itself, uh, as well as I actually would love to talk about uh, what you make of uh, what seems like, uh, we'll see whether it's a crime or not, but uh, what's going on with this FTX uh, situation and, and, and sort of how that relates to all the work that you've been doing on this. But it was the first time I'd ever seen Bernie Madoff uh, in prison on tape. How did you get access to that? Uh, yeah, it's uh, incredible stuff. He's very very revealing and uh we got this material from helen chapman who was a victim's attorney you know she was representing victims in the clawback actions she was obviously against uh, how the clawbacks were were happening and she provided us with this incredible material that's never been seen before there's a number of sort of never been seen before elements of this uh, perhaps the 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 most provocative uh is this idea that's presented in the film 
that one of the reasons, if not the main reason, that he turned himself in, uh, in fact, was because he was worried about being, quote, hit by the mob. Well, I wouldn't say it's necessarily the main reason he was uh, that he turned himself in, but he's he's been, you know, he's a sociopath. Anyone who would look a widow in the eye and take all their savings, anyone who would do this to an Ellie Wiesel or to a regular investor is a, is a, is a sociopath who has no empathy. Uh, and he's been widely credited with having turned himself in and looking out for his family. I think that's all BS. You know, there was a lot of dirty money in those hedge funds that evaporated. And I, I think he did the smart thing and took himself off the streets. And it was less it was less about protecting people. Uh, and, and, you know, and this narrative that that he was the singular genius is also one of the reasons I wanted to do this show He's been mythologized as somebody who just incredibly did this on his own. But there was just like with Sam Bankman-Fried, there was a lot of sophisticated investors who should have known better. And a lot of institutions, including J.P. Morgan Chase, that had a view into his Ponzi scheme because they had uh, billions of dollars were flowing through one checking account. And a lot of institutions due to greed, I believe, just looked the other way. Hey, Joe, the clip we just played from the deposition, I mean, that's kind of amazing, this idea that he's blaming his greedy customers for being the ones who made him do it. None of them, you know, decided, none of them decided to call on this or to pull their money out. That that speaks to the sociopath description that you just gave. Exactly. Classic narcissist. You know, I've, I've done a whole bunch of uh, serial killer shows over the last couple of years, Bundy, Dahmer. Gacy. And I consider Bernie a financial serial killer because he shares a lot of those qualities uh, with serial killers, a complete lack of empathy and blaming other people. You know, all the serial, you know, John Wayne Gacy famously blamed his victims for the situation they put themselves in. And here you see Bernie blaming the greed uh, of, of some of his customers. Uh, you know, it's it's just incredible. He destroyed the lives of so many and he's blaming others. That's why I think going back to your original question, Andrew, the, the idea that he he magnanimously wanted to save his family and pled guilty to me is a lot is just a lot of bunk. It was self-preservation. So because it, because it's it's new to me, at least. What is the mob piece of all of this? Well, there was a lot of cartel money and uh, there was a lot of uh, just dirty money, it, you know, being invested. More of his money was offshore uh, and in Europe than in the United States. And so there there is a feeling amongst many, uh, that a lot of this money was dirty money. You mentioned J.P. Morgan and some of the feeder funds and others. Do you think that is that they looked to the other way because they were just simply greedy? They, they didn't know or didn't want to know? Or do you think they actually knew? That's a, that's a, that's a hard question that that is hard to answer. I, I think people with fiduciary responsibility for other people's money have have a need and a responsibility to look deeply into where they're taking other people's money and investing it. And the red no. flag, the red flags were, were so loud and so bright on, on this case, you know, every, from the simple basic fact that, you know, for example, his strategy involved options. If you believe the size of his hedge fund and you, if you believe that he was using this strict, this, uh, uh split strike conversion strategy, right. There would have been more options that he needed than were in existence in the total options market. So there's just there's just things that real investors, sophisticated sophisticated investors, should have known. And real so regulators. 
and regulators. I mean, the, the regulation, the regular, the regulatory failure here is massive. I mean, Harry Markopoulos, the famous whistleblower in this case, went to went to the SEC five times over eight years and they just completely ignored it. Do, do you think in Madoff's case um, that he always uh, intended to be running a criminal enterprise? I mean, we often talk about Ponzi schemes uh, and whether they start uh, innocently, uh, if, if you, it could start that way, if you will, meaning they, 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 the person starts on the straight and narrow, gets into a hole, and then, you know, tries to dig out. Or I whether think, it's more premeditated. Yeah. yeah, I think Bernie, on the one hand, deluded himself that he was a, he was a good guy, and he did some good things. He, he, you know, he basically created NASDAQ. I mean, it's a long story that, that I won't go into the details that obviously people on Wall Street are aware of, but he pop, he democratized trading. I spend a half hour a day on my Schwab account. You know, his, his work uh, in, in, in electronic trading in the 70s helped make that possible. So he actually did some incredible things. Uh, but he played fast and, and loose with the rules from the get-go. There's a famous story, you know, when he's in his 20s and he first opened up his shop in 1962 after the big market crash, he ended up losing $30,000 worth of his investors' money, which is a lot of money back in 62 for a kid in his 20s. And instead of telling his clients what happened, he borrowed $30,000 from his father-in-law, Sat Alpern, and gave the money back to his clients saying that he had gotten out just in time. And as Diane Enrique's Wizard of Lies says in the show, you know, he, he decided he'd rather be a, a liar than a failure because his father was a failure. So, so was that a Ponzi scheme back okay. then? No, but he was playing fast and loose with the rules. And he always had this investment advisory business on the side that he kept shadowy while he had his legitimate birth business. Fast forward to today. Um, there's been lots of comparisons made fairly or unfairly, and, uh, and maybe time will tell. I'm curious where you land on this uh, with Sam Bankman-Fried uh, and what looks like um, a lot of commingled funds and the like or, or worse. Yeah. Well, look, it's, it's an apples and orange, oranges comparison on a certain level. But fraud keeps happening in this country every five to eight years. And the roots of fraud are the same. The same things happen as are happening here with FTX. You have a charismatic guy who deludes himself into thinking he's doing good in the world when in fact he's actually sticking a knife into people's backs. You have non-existent regulation. Why weren't we here regulating crypto or having an insight into this in the past? The regulatory failure with Bernie Madoff is just is mind-boggling. And so you have these, and then you have people who know better, you know, sophisticated financial people taking other people's money and investing it. You better know what you're investing it in and that people look the other way. I, mean. uh, I need to thank you. Uh, you're, you're, you're a great director and producer, so you know, uh, you know this better than I do. Uh, we're up against a hard break, unfortunately, but I, I want to uh, wish you lots of luck uh, with the film. Um, it is called uh, Madoff, the Monster of Wall Street. I have a couple of cameos in it myself. You do. And happy birthday to your daughter, Sydney. Oh, you're, you're very nice to say that, Joe. Thank you very, very much. We look forward to seeing the film. Thanks. Oh, I should say series. It's, it's not just you're even in one. You're even in the Meghan Markle thing. I am. On uh, Netflix. On Netflix. You're like everywhere. Is that it? Just, just one of you, too, which is amazing. That's the podcast for today. Thank you for listening, as always. 
Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. And please don't forget before you leave, make sure you follow Squawk Pod wherever you're listening now. And if you like what you heard today, spread the word. Get your friends and colleagues and fellow commuters to follow too. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. With the help of T-Mobile for Business, our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.